Well, good morning, everybody. You guys doing good today? Oh, that was a little lame. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Come on, let's give Jesus a shot of praise in this place. Can we do that? And do me a favor while you're clapping, just uh, give those that are watching us right now live online a round of applause. We appreciate you guys being a part of our experience and also Facebook Live. And uh, God's doing some incredible things. And as you just witnessed on that video, uh, probably one of the most effective and impacting or life-changing classes you could ever take would be um, the class on really just managing our money. It's, it's obviously called Financial Peace University. It's impacted countless thousands of people's lives all over the country and around the world. And we're going to be having groups like that taking place as we kick off our fall semester of life groups. And so if something like that piques your interest and maybe you're thinking to yourself, man, I need something like that. I would love to learn how to really build my life on a solid biblical financial plan. This is an opportunity along with many Many others for you to find a group, connect with a group of people, and start doing life and learning and growing and becoming all that God has called you to be. This this day um, really is a is a is a great day to do that. And so when we leave today, when you uh, go out uh, into the lobby, let me encourage you to go by. Uh, really, our life group banner. We'll have a table there, and you can ask questions and learn more things about what you can do to find a group that fits you and your schedule. But this is an opportunity for you to really begin growing and flourishing in every area of your life as we kick off the fall semester of life groups. And so I'm excited about that, looking forward to what God has in store. Well, we are in part two of a two-part series that we started last weekend, really dealing with vision. Um, this is kind of the, the heart and soul of, of who we are and why we do what we do, what we're obviously passionate about. And we talk about these things in our growth track when we uh, invite people to come to the growth track experience and, and learn more about our vision and our heart. But from time to time throughout the calendar year, I like for us to kind of just push reset and really revisit. This is who we are. This is what we're about. This is why we do what we do. And last week, we really kind of capitalized on the theme of unstoppable. And we unpacked, you know, Acts chapter 2 and really the unstoppable um, early church, that first century church that God used to turn the world upside down. And still to this day, we're a part of that movement, that unstoppable force. And so with that said, today is part two, and I really want to key in on another word that God has just kind of put in my spirit, and it's something that has really been challenging me, and I think it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a challenge to you. It's the word uncomfortable. You know, all of us from time to time, um, you know, we like to, you know, kind of find something that makes us comfortable because we live in an uncomfortable world, so we like to kind of gravitate to the things that are comfortable, and I don't think there's probably anything that most people like to do and really find as a, as a means of pleasure and comfort than to kick back in a recliner. How many of you have a recliner at home? Man, I tell you what, there's nothing greater. In fact, today, I already, I already know what some of you are going to do. Today, some of you are going to kick back. You're going to kick your feet up. You're going to watch some football. I mean, this is a big weekend kicking off college football and the NFL and all the fun things going on with Labor Day weekend. But, you know, when you think about a recliner, it's kind of synonymous with comfortability. When you think about a recliner, some of you may have a recliner like I have. In fact, there's a picture that I brought 
this particular recliner um, is a recliner I've had for 20 years. I'm telling you, this recliner has some stories. This thing, I mean, we've had, we've had all kinds of memories. I mean, man, I've had some amazing naps in that. We, I've watched national championship football games in that, Super Bowls in that, man, Grammy Awards in that, you name it. I've watched it. I've been there, done that, watched it in that recliner. But man, there's nothing greater than kicking your feet up on a Sunday afternoon, just kind of chilling, you know, just kind of taking a little Sunday afternoon cat nap. I mean, my kids have all enjoyed that. My dog Snickers, that's her favorite, favorite chair. I mean, we just, we love the recliner, but I'm getting rid of the recliner. 20 years of memories. Can you believe that? But change is good. But I think one of the things we have to realize is at some point, you know, comfortable isn't necessarily something that we should seek for. It's something that we really shouldn't pursue or ultimately try to obtain in our lives. But unfortunately, we live in a culture today that's all about comfort. In fact, we go to extremes trying to find comfort in our lives. You know, when you think about you know, the homes that we live in, we're trying to obviously create an atmosphere, a home that's comfortable. We think about the clothes we wear, we like comfortable clothes. You think about the shoes we wear, I mean, there's nothing more painful and irritable than walking around with shoes that are uncomfortable, so we all like comfortable shoes. You know, we we work hard to be comfortable financially. Some of us are into comfort food, you know, it just kind of makes us feel good, you know what I'm saying? So we're all desiring, we're we're all pursuing comfortable, but at the same time, we live in an uncomfortable world, because when you look at everything going on in our world today, and you know, kind of increases, increases a, a heightened sense of stress and anxiety. I mean, you look at terrorism, you look at all the, the tragedies that, are, that take place in our country and around the world. No wonder people are seeking comfort. And I think when you, when you, when you look at our lives and you look at all the things that obviously we're exposed to, sometimes we have the ability to maybe kind of rationalize and justify, well, I deserve to be comfortable. And I I think, honestly, that mindset has kind of creeped into the church where sometimes we, even as followers of Jesus Christ, will say, well, you know, we as Christians, we, we should find ourselves to be comfortable at times in light of all the challenges that we face. In fact, wouldn't you agree with that? Don't you think we as Christians should, should be at a place of comfort? I think Jesus would disagree with that. As a matter of fact, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said it this way. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, I, he's speaking to his disciples, his followers, just like you and me. He said, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Well, that's anything but comfortable. You know, when you think about it, you know, we send our kids off to school on the first day of class, you know, and especially those that are getting started in kindergarten or, you know, whatever grade they're getting into. Maybe they're transi- transitioning to middle school or high school. You know, as a parent, you're thinking, well, that's what I'm doing. I'm sending, my, I'm, sh- I'm sending my little sheep out into a den of lions and wolves. But, you know, as Christians, we live in a sinful, fallen world. And that's why Jesus even said in Luke 9, verse 23, he said, if anyone would come after me, He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me and follow me daily. And here's the thing with that. We've got to think about our world today as a mission field. We've got to think about what it is that God has called us to be and what God has called us to do as followers of Christ and 
as a local church. And the last thing that God wants is for you and for me to get comfortable. And the reason why is because the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. We have an adversary. We have a spiritual enemy that wants to do everything he can to rob us from what God has come to give us. So the last thing we should do is seek comfort. As a matter of fact, when you think about God, God got uncomfortable for us. Think about that. God came to earth. Why? Because of a sinful, fallen world. So therefore, rather than judging the world, what did God do? God showed his grace and his mercy and his compassion and his great love by becoming one of us. So God came to earth. God, Emmanuel, came to earth to become one of us in the form of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. When you think about Jesus Christ himself, Jesus became uncomfortable for us. Jesus did some uncomfortable things when it came to what he did and how it was received among the people. I mean, Jesus healed the sick. Jesus caused the blind to see. Jesus is able to resurrect the dead. Well, that was somewhat uncomfortable. But yet Jesus himself became uncomfortable to the point of dying on a cross, taking your sin and mine, and being nailed to the cross, being publicly humiliated, despised, and rejected of men, and ultimately dying a criminal's death on a cross. But praise God, he came back to life three days later, amen? amen. And here's the thing you gotta realize, is that Jesus not only got uncomfortable for us, but think about the early church. The early church was known for sharing and spreading an uncomfortable message. Because they themselves were saying, you're the one who Christ crucified Jesus. Hey, Jesus has come to change our lives. And yet at the same time, this early church, this band of brothers and sisters that we talked about last week in Acts chapter 2, suddenly became this unstoppable force that was sharing this uncomfortable message. And as a result of what they were sharing, it made people feel uncomfortable, especially the religious elite who were extremely comfortable. And as a result, the, the government didn't know what to do with these people. So therefore, because they felt threatened, they issued a decree to, to persecute and even put Christians to death. Well, you would have thought that that in and of itself would have shut the church down. But instead, the church continued to flourish and grow to the point of becoming that unstoppable force that was sharing an uncomfortable message to people who became extremely comfortable. So at the end of the day, the last thing that God wants you and me as followers of Jesus Christ to do or to pursue is a life of being comfortable. And the last thing that we want as a church, as body of believers, and as a local community of faith, listen, the last thing we want, the last thing Rethink Life wants to be is a place where everything's comfortable. Well, we're okay with the way things are. Well, you know what? Our goal here is just to be comfortable and convenient because that's the ultimate aim. Well, that's not our aim. Never has been, never will be to be a place or to be a church that's comfortable. You know why? Because comfortability always leads to complacency. God has never called you and me to a place of complacency. God is always challenging us, pushing us, challenging us to push the status quo, challenging us, listen, to conform and become who it is that God has created us to be. 
So one of the things we got to realize is this. Fast forward. Everything that we've done as a church and everything that God is calling us to do as a church is to seek a life and to ultimately seek to have an impact in a way that forces us to do something that may be perceived as uncomfortable. You know, one of the things that Jesus talked about, in fact, one day he had conversations with a very religious uh, individual. As a matter of fact, this guy was an expert in Jewish law. And so one day, this guy and Jesus, they were having this conversation. This, this Jewish scholar asked Jesus the question. He said, hey, what must I, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What, what must a person do, basically, to go to heaven? And so I love that Jesus answered this guy's question with a question. He said, well, you know the scriptures. He kind of put it back on him. Well, if you're the expert, you tell me. And so the guy said, well, he said, of course, I guess you're supposed to keep the great, great, the, the, the great commandment of to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this Jewish leader said, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so it kind of became this question of, well, okay, well, who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Well, Jesus answered the question by telling an illustration or a story. We pick it up in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. Jesus replied, he said, a Jewish man, telling this story, he said, a Jewish man, hypothetically, he said, put yourself in this situation. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and money and they beat him up and they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a Jewish priest came along but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A, temp a temple assistant walked over and, and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, notice what he did. He felt deep pity or compassion kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with medicine and bandaged him up. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of them. The next day he, he handed the innkeeper two pieces of silver and took him to take care of, and, and took him to take care of the man. If his bill runs higher than that, he said, he said, pay the difference the next time I'm here. Jesus said, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, well, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and what? Say it out loud. Do the same. I find that interesting when it comes to that story of how many of us can relate to the priest and to the Levite. Where here we are living our lives where perhaps things are convenient, predictable, comfortable. But then all of a sudden there's a situation, a circumstance that pops up. And our first impression is, well, I don't want to get involved in that. <laughs> because that's going to disrupt the status quo. That's, that's a little inconvenient. And what happens is, that, is at times is that life happens. Things at work, you know, situations in our family. We have, we have things that we see, things that we're exposed to on a day-by-day -day basis when it comes to needs and opportunities that surround us. But how many times, I know I'm guilty of this in my own life, how many times have we maybe stood back and rather than getting involved or doing something to make a difference, meeting a need, or maybe just allowing God to use us in the moment 
to speak into something or speak into someone's life rather than taking that step of faith and saying, God, I don't know, know what's going on, but I'm gonna, God, I'm gonna trust you to allow me to have enough discernment and wisdom to get involved in the situation or to say something so that I can somehow meet a need or, or maybe make a difference in a person's life. But instead, so often, we're like the priest or maybe like the Levite who rather than getting involved, we avoid the situation because we see it as inconvenient. So if you're taking notes today, I really hope you'll jot this down. The very first thing that we really ought to pray for and the thing that I think we ought to look, look at in this passage of scripture is really the thing that we should ask God for and that is look for ways to get uncomfortable. We have to look for ways to get uncomfortable. You see, here's a, here's a temple priest and a Levite that should have taken the step. They should have known what to do. They saw a man that was bleeding and, 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 and literally left to die by these bandits that attacked him. And what's sad is that every single day we have people that are spiritually and morally lost. You're around them every day at work. Hey, we know people in our family that are like that. Listen, there are people in our neighborhoods that are like that. And God has called you and he's called me to get involved, but instead of reaching out with a heart of compassion, reaching out because we're looking for those kinds of opportunities, rather than reaching out and doing something to help bring healing and hope to a person's life, sometimes we will rationalize or justify or say, I don't have time for that. Or we see it as an inconvenience. Or we may sit, see the situation and we see our inadequacy and we say, I'm not qualified for that. And as a result, opportunities pass us by. And my prayer as a church is that we'll never get so comfortable to where we're no longer looking for opportunities to see life change. We're no longer looking for opportunities to serve and make a difference. We're no longer looking for opportunities to maybe step out of our comfort zone of what is predictable and easy and convenient because what is perceived is being uncomfortable with the situation, the circumstances at hand. God didn't call us to be uncomfortable. Listen, excuse me, to be comfortable. He called us to be uncomfortable, to be comfortably uncomfortable in a world that is seeking hope and forgiveness. You know, you may be here today and you're thinking to yourself, well, 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 well what is it that I can do to, to be uncomfortable? I mean, because, you know, I thought I was uncomfortable, but, but, but maybe now, maybe I'm at a place of, of maybe being too comfortable. Well, I know in my life there are times where sometimes you can get to a place where you're too comfortable. Maybe we're too comfortable with the friends that we have. We're too comfortable maybe with the, with the place of ministry that we're currently serving in. I mean, we could be doing greater things, but, but because it's convenient and comfortable, we kind of like that. We like the little group, and so we kind of have our little holy huddle. And so what do we have to do? What do, what do we do to kind of force ourselves out of places of comfort? Well, we have to be, once again, looking for opportunities. And we have to not only be looking for opportunities, we have to be very intentional with how we look for those opportunities. For example, let me give you some practical things for some of you to do in terms of a step that you can take to get uncomfortable here at Rethink Life. One of those, for some of you, you know what you ought to do? You ought to get uncomfortable by taking a step of obedience and getting baptized at the beach here in a couple of weeks. Because I talk to people all the time and say, oh man, alive, you know, I, that, that, I, 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 I couldn't do something like that. You mean getting in front of all those people? Oh, I could never do something like that. 
Let me tell you something. Christianity may be personal, but it's not private. Jesus died publicly on a cross for you and me. And so the last thing we should do is perceive something like that as being, oh, well, that's, that's, that's just too uncomfortable. No, no, no. Jesus has called us to get uncomfortable. And so therefore, if God has commanded us in Scripture to declare our faith publicly, and one of the ways that we're marked as believers in Jesus Christ is through water baptism, then why in the world would we, would we hold back from wanting to get baptized? And so one of the ways that we can do that is by getting baptized on September the 30th. It'll be our last beach baptism of this calendar year. And I couldn't think of a greater way for you to be a witness and to declare the goodness of God as a result of what he's done in your life than declaring your faith publicly through water baptism. Another thing that I think people can do to, to get uncomfortable is to get involved in the small group. A lot of people say, well, man, I'd love to get one of those life groups, but I just don't know anybody. <laughs> That's the point. The opportunity is there. The opportunity is to meet people. The opportunity is to find people you can do life with. The opportunity is there for you to grow and to be encouraged and to have people that will support you and pray for you and encourage you in every single area of your life. And that's why today you can go out into the lobby and you can ask some questions. You can find a group that maybe makes sense for you. Why? Because that's an opportunity for you to stretch, to step out, outside of your comfort zone and to get comfortably uncomfortable with some new people that maybe you haven't had a chance to get to know, but maybe these are the people that God wants to use to suddenly bring about change in your life. Another area that you can get uncomfortable is maybe come to our growth track. A lot of people have maybe, never, maybe, maybe have never taken that step, and that's the reason why on the 23rd you can take a step and learn not just ways that you can start making a difference, but, but ultimately learn ways on how you can live a life that is fulfilled. Because now you're, you're serving in a way that's allowing God to use you. At times, maybe you feel uncomfortable, but guess what? That's where God wants you to be. He wants you to be at a place where you are completely dependent upon him. Why? Because that's the place he desires for you. To live your life because in your weakness, that's where he is made strong. And so as a result of that, guess what? Now we're having the opportunity to join forces with God to make a difference and to fulfill a purpose that he's placed us on this earth to fulfill. And so we can get uncomfortable going to growth track. Another thing we do is get uncomfortable with being a part of what we call the dream team. Today when you sit down, there is a little uh, card that looks just like this. And as many of you know, uh, we are starting something new, and we're super excited about it next week, and we're, uh, we're going to be launching another service here uh, at our Conway location, so we're going to be having a 8.30 service starting next Sunday for all of the early birds that want to come, and you want to be a part of the first service and, and get on with your day, but for some of you, maybe you come to the early service at 8.30 so that you can serve on the dream team at 10 o'clock. Maybe some of you are going to come you know, to the, to the 10 o'clock service, but yet you can serve at the 8.30 hour. At the end of the day, what we would encourage you to do is to find a place where you can serve and make a difference. And you say, well, I don't even know what to do. We'll show you what to do. The main thing is, is for you to be willing to step out of your comfort zone and get comfortably uncomfortable doing something that God is gonna use to make a difference in someone's life. And so all you gotta do is sign this little card, check an area of interest that you have, drop in the offering bucket here in a little while, and we'll collect that from you. And this week, you'll get a phone call from one of our team leaders and say, hey, we wanna invite you to be a part of a dream team that's gonna make a difference in people's lives. Another thing that you can do if you want to really get uncomfortable, is to start giving back to God what belongs to his, something called the tithe. 
What is the tithe? The tithe is a percentage of our income that we give back to God as an offering. It's our way of expressing thanksgiving and gratitude. It's also our way of worship, and it's our way of expressing complete dependency upon God to meet our every need. And if you want to get uncomfortable, start living by faith rather than living by sight. If you want to get uncomfortable, step out in obedience and do what God has called us to do and asked us to do, and that is to give him our all when it comes to our life and our obedience as an act of worship. In fact, I encourage you to take the 90-day challenge. You say, what do you mean? Just put Malachi chapter three, verses 10 to, to, to practice and just say, hey God, I'm gonna test you in this because God says, test me, test me. And so if you put God to the test, he says, trust me in this and just watch what I'll do. So if you wanna invite God into your financial world, then start honoring God with the tithe and watch what he will do in your life. That's not me, that's him, and that's a promise that he's made to you and to me. And so a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. Well, God is asking you to get uncomfortable so you can live in the sweet spot of being in his good and pleasing and perfect will for your life. I tell people all the time, I'd rather, listen, I would rather live on 90% and be 100% inside the will of God than live on 100% on my own outside the will of God. And so what we gotta do is we gotta get uncomfortable with the things that we see or perceive as uncomfortable. I uh, received a call from this past week uh, from a friend and uh, I was really encouraged because he has a heart for our church, and, and he, said, um, he said, God, just put it on my heart. I'm going to donate some shares of my mutual fund to the church. He said, I'm just excited about what God's doing in the future of our church. And this is a, this is a guy who is thinking outside the box, but he said, you know what? He said, I have found that I have some additional revenue over here through these mutual funds, and I'm going I'm to donate those stocks those shares to the church so that the church can continue to move and flourish and fulfill its mission and its vision. And I thought, wow, man, what would it look like if we had a church of people who, who thought like that, who were looking for opportunities to get uncomfortable? I always tell people all the time, people ask me, they say, well, Pastor, when are we gonna get land? Pastor, when are we gonna have a permanent place of our own? And here's what I say, and I'll continue to say this. The pace of our vision is 100% dependent upon the pace of our giving. That's it. So you can do the math, but at the end of the day, the pace of our vision is 100% dependent upon the pace of our giving. So we've got to be looking for ways to be generous, be looking for ways to give of ourselves. Why? So that we can become comfortably uncomfortable with things that we are perceiving as being uncomfortable. And I encourage you next week as we kick off a brand new series called Made for Mondays. We're going to be talking about how to turn the mundane into a mission in our everyday lives, and especially in our workplace. And it's going to be a perfect opportunity for you to invite a friend, somebody at work, somebody in your neighborhood, somebody that, that maybe in your, your sphere of influence, and invite them to our 830, to invite them to our 10 o'clock next week. Get outside of your place of comfort and become uncomfortable by inviting people and watch what God will do. You know, I was, last week, I was standing here at the Conway location 
and it's at the very beginning, and something was happening in the back, and it caught my eye, and what had happened, there was, a, there was an unfortunate emergency situation where a lady who's carrying a child, um, just in a brief moment, she collapsed. And what was so cool and refreshing to me is that our first responders team instantly kicked into gear. Instantly. I mean, they were on it. And so here's this lady who was out cold for just a moment, and our first responder team was able to take her, and resuscitate her, and I mean, the paramedics, the, the, the MTs, they all, they all came, but fortunately, when they arrived, and they came quickly, but when they arrived, it was almost as though they weren't even needed because our first responders because they knew what to do and they were fully prepared, they were able to meet, not only meet a need, but I'm convinced they were able to save not just one life, but two lives. Amen? Isn't that incredible? In fact, we have the, the pictures here from, from some of our team members. And, and it was just, I say that to say this. I'm convinced that sometimes we're not looking for opportunities. We say, well, well, well somebody else can do that. Or, well, you know, well, well, that's somebody else's problem. Or I'm unqualified. Or, you know, well, well, you know somebody else can, can handle those kind of situations. You know what my response is? I, you know what God's response is to that kind of mindset? If not you, then who? If you don't step in, then who's going to do it? If you don't get uncomfortable, then who? is going to step into situations and circumstances that maybe God wanted and needed you to step into so that life could be changed, so that need could be met. And so with that said, Jesus is talking to this religious leader and they're dialoguing, they're having this conversation and the guy's asking Jesus, hey, you know, who's your neighbor? <laughs> it's interesting because Jesus is qualifying who the true neighbor is. What's interesting is that here you had, you had a Levite, you had a scribe who were coming from a place of worship. They had everything at their disposal, but rather than allowing the power of God to be at work in their life, they avoided a situation, they avoided an opportunity when all of a sudden a despised Samaritan, the perceived despised Samaritan, the eyes of the religious Jewish man was the neighbor that God was using as the example. Why? Because he did something. Rather than avoiding the situation, he had enough forethought, he had enough concern, he had enough burden, he had enough compassion for a man that had been left for dead. And so when you think about what we can do as a church, number one, we gotta look for ways to get uncomfortable because Jesus said, open your eyes, look at the fields, for they are ripe, all ready for harvest. So there's never been a greater opportunity for us as a church to be the church, amen? There's never been a greater opportunity for us as a church to become who it is that God has called us to be, to reach the masses with the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. But we have to look for opportunities to get uncomfortable. Number two, and I'll close with this. Listen, we've got to ask God to make us comfortably uncomfortable. We've got to ask God to make us comfortably uncomfortable. In Proverbs 3, verse 27, it says this, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. So often what happens is that we say, well, well I'm unqualified, but what you've got to realize is, listen, God is not calling the qualified. No, he is he's qualifying the already called. 
So if, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, guess what? You've been called. And because you've been called, guess what? You may feel inadequate. You may not feel like you have much to offer. You may think to yourself, what do I have to give? What can I do to make a difference? Let me tell you something. All you got to be willing is to get comfortably uncomfortable and let God do the rest. And, and trust me, he'll use you in ways you have never thought possible. Here's this Samaritan who comes along. We don't know much about the Samaritan. All we know is that this man must have been traveling up and down this pathway, this road from Jericho to Jerusalem back and forth. So he was familiar with the ways, familiar with the roads, familiar with even the perceptions of the culture and all the stereotypes that went with it, the prejudice that w- prejudices that went with it, all of those things. And yet here's this Samaritan who comes along and rather than thinking about all the other things, no, he focused on one thing and that was an opportunity where he could step in and get uncomfortable in a man's life that was literally left for dead. So what did he do? He reached down he cared for him he showed compassion on him and he did more than just show compassion he put his love in action he nursed his wounds he put him on his donkey he took him to the comfort inn there in Jerusalem y'all awake just making sure took him to the inn he told the innkeeper hey listen whatever it costs it was equivalent to $40 he said whatever it costs hey if there's more when I come back I'll take care of the balance but what you can do for me is to take care of this man because he was left dead and we're here to help support him and encourage him and bring him back to life and give him the hope that he's looking for in his life you know why we exist as a church? We exist for one reason, as to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, how do we do that? By helping people know God, by helping people find freedom, by helping people discover purpose, and by helping people make a difference. You say, but specifically, how do we do that? We help people know God by being a witness in the workplace, by being a witness on our school campus, by sharing the hope that's found within us. By telling people the good news of Jesus. By inviting our friends to church. That's how we help people know God. And by the way, more people come to church inside the doors of our church as a result of friends inviting their friends in any other time or any other place. And so we help people know God by inviting them into our worship experience and by being the church out there in the real mission field. You say, well, how do we help people find freedom? We help people find freedom when they develop life-giving, Christ-centered relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ through what we call life groups. Why do we have life groups? We receive forgiveness from God for our sins. Are you listening? We receive healing from one another so if we carry wounds of hurt disappointment if there are things in our past that we've never overcome it's like the people of Israel they left Egypt God rescued them he gave them salvation he rescued them out of bondage he delivered them out of Egypt problem was is the people of Israel wandered for some 40 years in the desert why because Egypt had never left them they were still living as slaves thinking as slaves they were living in bondage rather than the freedom that God had come to give them 
Jesus said you should know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. You want to live a life of victory and freedom and peace and joy and knowing the goodness of our great God, then get yourself among a group of people that can speak hope and life and healing and truth and love to every one of us and watch what God will do. I'm telling you, there's power in numbers. We need one another. So the Samaritan, he's saying, hey, here's a guy who's bleeding. Here's a guy who's hurting. Here's a guy who needs some freedom in his life. He needs some hope in his life. What is he doing? He's doing what we ought to be doing. Helping people discover their purpose. Repurposing people. Giving them a second chance. Giving them an opportunity to rediscover. Hey, this is who God made, made me to be. This is why God put me on this earth. So that now, because I've been healed, because I've been rescued, because I've been delivered, I too can be used of God to go help deliver someone else. That's called making a difference. And how we do that, we do that through the dream team. We do that through serving both inside the church and outside the church to make an eternal difference for the glory of God. And so here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is that we learned over the next, really the next several weeks throughout the rest of this month of September to pray what I call Colossians 4 prayer. You say, what do you mean Colossians 4 prayer? It goes like this. Colossians 4, 2 and 3. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change. Chains. So what did Jesus tell the religious man in the story that he was telling? He said, hey, you want to know who your neighbor is? Your neighbor is that good Samaritan who got comfortably uncomfortable. You wanna know who your neighbor is? It's that man. And what did Jesus say? Now go and do the same thing he did. Go and do the same thing he did. If not you, then who? If not you, then who? We need to pray and ask God to help us with opportunities where we can become uncomfortable. And as we become comfortably uncomfortable, let's ask God to use us to be his hands and to be his feet. So as a church, we can be like that good Samaritan where we go and do the same so that we can meet needs, so that we can point people to Jesus, so that lives can be changed and so that eternity, so that heaven can be advanced for his kingdom and for his glory, amen. That's the heart of our church. Always has been, always will be. And I pray that we'll do what we can to allow God to use us. This fall, between now and the end of this year, to see a fresh move of God that will be that unstoppable force that will make a difference in our world. Let's bow our heads together in prayer.